Two weeks ago, when we looked at Proverbs 13, I noted for you that there are several different types of people mentioned in Proverbs, and particularly this one proverb. And uh, so two weeks ago, we looked at verse number one, where it talks about a scorner heareth not rebuke. Tonight, we're going to look at the next character that is identified for us in Proverbs 13, and that's in verse number four, a sluggard. So we'll read the first four verses here, and uh, then we'll jump right into our study. The Bible says, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. In other words, they, they won't listen. They won't respond properly when people try to help them. They, they stiffen up and re are resistant. Verse 2, A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the transgressors shall eat violence. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life, but he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. So we have a contrast given, and many of the Proverbs are laid out in this antithetical parallelism. In other words, they're contrasting statements of the, of the sluggard and the diligent. This word sluggard comes from a Hebrew word that means to lean or to be idle. It has a picture of the guy who just leaning against the fence or leaning against a building, watching others uh, be busy about the work. Strong's Concordance says that the word means to be slothful. Brown Driver and Briggs says, very bluntly, it's talking about somebody who's lazy. As you read the Proverbs, and uh, many of us do on a regular practice of our Bible reading, you find a couple of terms that are similar, sluggard and slothful. And the truth is, all but two or three occasions, whenever you see that word slothful, it comes from the same Hebrew root as the word sluggard. But then the contrast is given there in verse 4 with the diligent. The diligent, uh, the word is uh, drawn from a Hebrew word that means to be sharp. It has the idea of a knife that is sharpened to a razor's edge. Well, why why do you sharpen a knife so it can cut through, do the work more easily? Or the picture of some kind of a threshing instrument that is sharpened so that it can harvest the crops more effectively. So when it's used to describe a person, it's describing somebody who puts forth the effort to prepare themselves or to sharpen themselves so that they can be effective in whatever the task is. And it's not, it is not restricted to a spiritual sense, although we will make that application. So let's look at this contrast between the sluggard and the diligent. Verse number four says that the sluggard desireth. So quite naturally, uh, though they are not a hard worker, though they don't have initiative, though they don't 
get after it, they still want things. They want to achieve things. They want to receive things. They want to have acknowledgement. They want people to think well of them. Now, that word desire can be both a positive thing and a negative thing. For example, there are perfectly appropriate desires that all of us would have. At some point in time, you're going to desire to eat a meal. You get hungry. You desire it. And sometimes, some people are, I would really like this, or boy, that really sounds good. Somebody came in tonight, oh man, you missed a party. We had this food. Now normally, what they said is something, I, uh, I'm there, you know, I'm all for it. At 10 p.m. at night, that's probably not what I want to do. You know, I want to sleep that night. So, you know, desire, a perfectly normal desire would be for sleep, you know. Uh, my former pastor said, if you're not tired at night, then that means you didn't work hard during the day. You work, so you desire sleep. Nothing wrong with that. That's a perfectly normal desire. We ought to desire to accomplish goals in your business or in your workplace as some achievement. But it's also positive to desire to walk with God, to know him, to grow spiritually, to grow in Christ-likeness. These are all positive desires that have no sinful uh, implications. We all have these desires. But, you know, a desire alone can just be a wish. A dream. If you don't put forth a plan or put yourself under some instruction or seek after knowledge to where you can make progress. For example, somebody can say, I really wish I knew how to pray. Can I tell you that's not something secret or hidden from anyone? Everybody can learn how to, if you're a child of God, you can learn how to pray. So the question is, do you really want to learn how to pray? Are you going to listen maybe to messages on prayer or read a book on prayer or talk to somebody who uh, you know is somebody who knows how to pray so that you can learn how to pray? All of us can do it, but either we can sit back and say, well, I wish I knew how to pray or be diligent and say, you know what? I'm going to put forth the effort. Keep your finger here. Turn back to Proverbs chapter 10. We'll be looking throughout the book of Proverbs. Here we see another contrast. It doesn't use the word sluggard, but you can see the contrast. Look at verse 4, Proverbs 10, 4. He becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. So what our text is describing for us here in Proverbs 13 is someone that has desires, they want to accomplish something, but it never happens. Why doesn't it happen? Because they're not willing to put forth the effort. They're not willing to discipline themselves to make the progress, i.e., they are a sluggard. As you read through all the Bible passages that talk about a sluggard, you get the very strong impression they're a daydreamer. They'll think, but they won't do. 
They'll wish, but they won't work. They'll dream, but they won't show any kind of diligence. They don't have the initiative. We live in a culture, and I'm, I'm talking about all North America, not just Canada, and it probably is outside of North America, but that, that has sort of created the mindset that, you know, good luck is what you need to achieve. Now, I, I think playing the lottery is the dumbest thing you can do with your money. If you want to throw your money away, just give it to me. At least I'll buy a hamburger. You'll never see it again if you put it on a lotto. But, you know, the other night I was watching the news. There's some big, some big lotto, you know, thing they put on there in the States, uh, some Super Bowl. You have a, a chance of one in 294 million. You want to know how likely that is? Like being stuck in a snowstorm tonight on your way home. Oh, wait, I better not say that. Somebody said they saw snow flurries. But you know, th that's the way people think. Oh, if I just had the luck, then I would, then I would hit it big, and then I would uh, get all of my dreams. When I was a kid growing up, my parents subscribed to Reader's Digest. Some of you remember that. The Reader's Digest sweepstakes, all that mail came, and as a kid, I'd think, boy, Lord, if you just let my family win that, I'd, I, we would give half of that back to you. It's like the old preacher said, well, then what about the 20 bucks in your wallet? You know, it's easy to talk about giving away stuff you don't have. But that's not what reality is. Successful people are not successful because of luck. They are successful because of another four-letter word, work. Work. They're willing to put forth the effort. Now, some people do seem to be able to make wise decisions. I've pastored some guys that I think have the Midas touch, everything they get involved in, but they are workers. They're not depending on luck. And the trouble is that kind of philosophy uh, invades even our Christian life. We look at some people and say, boy, they're lucky. Look at that. They, they get this prayer answered. And they have this happen and they have that happen and they seem to have everything going their way. Well, what's going on in their private time with God? I don't know who said it originally. He said, I believe in luck, and the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> you know, we need to understand that it is the sluggard or that characteristic that dreams and wishes but never puts forth a plan or an action or an effort or a training so that they can make things happen. You see, God's word teaches differently. Here's what God says. Second Timothy, uh, Thessalonians, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Things must be getting a little more challenging out because uh, I've had a couple of phone calls, people calling for help. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time and when I was younger in the ministry, you know, every phone call I'd try and uh, you need food, you need gas in your car, 
you know. And then I, then I got clued in that there's sort of a culture that thrives on that. I'll never forget in our church in uh, Holland, Michigan, I was assistant pastor. Assistant pastors always get stuck with this kind of work. You know, the pastor hid away in his ivory palace. And so these kind of phone calls I would get. And this guy came by. His story sounded so, so genuine. His grandmother was dying in Texas and he just needed gas to get down the road. And if I'd just help him with gas... And so, you know, I gave him the money out of my wallet. I probably had 30 bucks. If I had 30 bucks, that was a really good day back then. Six weeks later, he forgot that he had come to our church and he came back with the exact same story. I realized they'll lie to your face in the name of the Lord to get what they want. So I started developing in my mind, okay, I don't want to be hard-hearted because there are genuine needs, but I don't want to be stupid with that which God gave me. So over time, I came up with a policy, and I did this just last week, had two phone calls, same day, and I said, look, uh, I, number one, I cannot give you any money. I don't have access to church money. That's just church policy. But if you will come to church on Sunday, after the service, I'll have a couple of our deacons sit down and you can tell them your story. And if they believe it's legitimate, we'll do whatever they say. You know what I found through these 43 years of having that policy? About one out of 20 will even come to church. Now, you know, if you're, if you're hungry, you can even listen to me for 45 minutes. I mean, I know that's painful, but you can even do that if you're really seriously in need. And, and you know, it... it God says Christians are to be workers. You ought to be, you ought to be that worker at your workplace that everybody says, look at them, man. They, they really go at it. They, they, they are diligent. They put forth the effort. God honors a worker. So the sluggard has desires. But notice, secondly, it says, the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. He hath nothing. That phrase, nothing, or that word, nothing, it comes from a root that means something that does not exist, a non-entity. In other words, it's a puff of smoke. He never accomplishes anything. His desires and plans are genuine, but he never executes the plan, so he ends up accomplishing nothing. They live their life in dreams without reality, the sluggard has nothing. But then notice he goes on to say, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Now, I know most of us would say, well, I don't want to be diligent because I don't want to be fat. That's not what it's talking about. The, the phrase shall be made fat biblically means to be satisfied. To be satisfied. The diligent will be satisfied. They may not have as much as somebody else. They may not achieve all they dream for, but they're going to achieve more than they would have if they had never put together a plan. And whatever they're able to accomplish, they can find contentment. What does the New Testament teach us? Godliness with contentment is great gain. So the diligent will see their needs met. 
the diligent may have even more opportunities because of their diligence. The Bible talks about that. Uh, Monday night at graduation, Brother Friesen brought a wonderful message from Proverbs chapter 30 about the four animals, and one of them is the ant. Well, Proverbs chapter 6, we'll look at that in a moment, where the Bible says, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider his ways, and be wise. I, re I can remember as a little kid growing up in California, watching an anthill, watching those, their constant motion. They're always carrying something. They're always going someplace. Uh, one time, Jan and I were in uh, Suriname, South America. And uh, the missionary didn't have room in his house for us to stay, so they put us up in, was it the Motel 4 or Motel 3? Oh, yeah, it was a Motel 4, 5, 6. Now, a cheap motel brand in the States is the Motel 6. This didn't quite make it to that level. This was the Motel 4, 5, 6. It was actually put up for a big aluminum company that had a bauxite mine there, and they'd bring in. And so the, the room that we had uh, was not a motel room like you would ever rent. It was a motel room full of bunk beds. I think there were four sets of bunk beds. And, you know some of the fun things you experience on missions trips. So one day we were sitting there and uh, waiting for the missionary and we just had some relaxed time in between services, things we were doing. And um, I think they'd given us some snacks anyway. We, we ate something and, and I set down something like on a, on a napkin there on the table. And it, um, there had been nothing visible on that table. And within five seconds, the table was covered with these tiny little ants. It's like the radar, here's food, you know. They're, they're diligent. And God says, as his people, in whatever vocation we have, and whatever we aspire for, we are to be diligent. And in that diligence, we'll find satisfaction. Proverbs twenty two twenty nine 29 says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. So your hard work will open up doors of promotion and honor that you never saw coming. It's all because of diligence. Again, keep your finger here. Turn to Proverbs 27. Here in Proverbs 27, there's sort of a description of a diligent person. Uh, begin reading in verse 23. Proverbs 27, 23. Be thou diligent to know the state of thy flocks and look well to thy herds, for riches are not forever. And doth the crown endure to every generation? The hay appeareth, and the tender grass showeth itself, and herbs of the mountains are gathered. The lambs are for thy clothing, and the goats are the price of the field. And thou shalt have goat's milk enough for thy food, for the food of thy household, and for the maintenance of thy maidens. So he's just describing a diligent person. He says, first of all, he takes care of his flocks, his herds. He's a farmer. He's not ignoring them. He's going to take good care of them. Secondly, he says there in verse number 24, he realizes riches are not guaranteed, so he keeps working. He's not careless. He doesn't think he deserves anything. 
He said, riches are not forever. Uh, thirdly, he works hard in the time of harvest. The hay appeareth, the tender grass showeth itself, herbs of the mountain are gathered. He's not gonna, he's not gonna be lazy in harvest time. Hey, that's when you're making your money. All year long, you work for the harvest. And so the diligent person works well at the harvest time. And, and number four, he realizes the benefit of his work. His lambs produce a wool so he can have clothing. His goats produce the milk so they've got food to eat. He, he enjoys the benefit of his work. Look, whatever our vocation, whatever God has called you to do, you can be a plumber, you can be a welder, you can be a banker, you can be a doctor. It doesn't matter what your job is. You ought to be diligent about that job. Always looking for a better way. Always looking for a way to do the job better. Always trying to make your boss a better, to, to improve the standing there. Why? Because you're trying to, you're, you're trying to brown those, you're trying to get in good with them, and maybe you get to get away with stuff. No, you do that because it's the right thing to do. It's the godly thing to do. A good Christian is a good worker, and they work hard, and that honors the Lord. Romans 12, 11, we are to not be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. So the diligent will be satisfied. And then notice just quickly a spiritual implication in this statement. He says there back in our text, Proverbs 13, 4, the soul of the sluggard desireth, the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. There is a spiritual implication here. And that is, there is nothing that is keeping you or me from being a better Christian than we presently are other than our lack of desire. You can be as close to God as you want to be. The Bible says in James, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. You know what that's literally saying? For every step I take to get closer to God, he's taking a commensurate step to be closer to me. You see, God wants to be your all in all. God wants to be your foundation, your source of contentment. We try to find our contentment in people. We try to find our contentment in things. And we're always dissatisfied because we are not finding our soul satisfaction in God alone. So keep that in mind. So we see uh, this comparison. Secondly, I want you to see what the Bible says about the character of a sluggard. The character of a slugger. There's three things I'm going to point out to you. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6 for the first one. I said we'd get to this one. This is the passage about the ant. He says in verse 6, Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in summer, and gathereth her food in the harvest. So in other words... Nobody's having to crack the whip 
kick him out of bed. Get to work, aunt. They just get after it. Now notice verse 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. The first thing that the Bible teaches us about a sluggard is they don't have any initiative. They can't get up and get themselves going. Now, I'm not talking about what time of day you get out of bed in the morning. But notice the question in verse 9. How long will you sleep? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Getting your rest is, you should do that. You'll have health problems if you don't. We actually had somebody with a little bit of a medical episode because of a lack of sleep this past weekend. But there is a difference between getting a proper amount of rest and being lazy and just staying in bed when you've had the rest, you just don't want to face the day. Proverbs 26, verse 13, the slothful man slayeth, there is a lion in the way, a lion is in the streets, as the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. Yeah, I told you the word slothful and sluggard come from the same root almost every time. And you know what uh, is true about a slothful person or a sluggard? They always have a reason for not getting started. Well, you know, it's, it looks like it may rain. I'll, I'll work in my field tomorrow. Well, you know... The weatherman said, even though the weather, it looks fine, the weatherman said, so I'm not going to do that. There's always a reason not to do what needs to be done. Like the door on a hinge, there's movement, but no progress. So a slothful person lacks initiative. They're always making excuses. I didn't do it because, I didn't get there because, I didn't finish it because, I didn't start it because. That's why my second year of becoming a professor of college here at Faithway, I just decided, you know what? Whenever I make a deadline, there's always going to be somebody having a good reason not to meet the deadline. So I solved that. You turn it in when I say, or you get a zero. There's no one grade for a day and another grade for another day because some are happy to take a C when they should have gotten an A. So you can ask them, right? That's the rule, right? They all know it. They're smiling down here. I say, if it's due on this date, you better walk in class and hand it to me. No discussion. And you know what I found out? They're all turned in. Amazing. Amazing. You know, our human nature, we like to procrastinate. We like to push things off, especially things that we think are unpleasant. Dr. Bob Jones Sr., an old preacher years ago, used to say, the test of a man's character is what it takes to stop him. Don't be a person without initiative. We're running out of time, so I'm going to just give you these two, and I won't finish the rest of it. The second characteristic of a sluggard is found in Proverbs chapter 12. 
Proverbs chapter 12, verse 27 says, The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. I put it this way, a slothful person doesn't finish what they start. They went out, they went hunting, they killed their prey, and then they decided, you know what, it's just too much work. I'm not going to butcher it. I'll let it rot. I pastored hunters in former churches. Let me tell you, there's not one of them that would do that. If they, if they got their deer, they're going to butcher it out. They're going to have that meat. They're going to put that meat in their freezer. But that's what a lazy person, well, it was just the kill that I was looking at. They don't finish the job. By the way, a little aside, mom and dad, that's why it's so important that you teach your children to finish the job finish the job don't let them make excuses don't let them quit there there are a couple jobs I took as a as a kid and my dad warned me before I took them if you take this job you are staying there till the job is done I understand that he got about halfway into it and I was looking for any way out and my dad was like no sir we had this deal. You said you'd do it, you do it. Of course, my dad was the one who was, taught me the joys, quote unquote, of early mornings to go to work too. Um, but you know, a slothful person, uh, you know, they won't even take care of the things they can do for themselves. Proverbs 19, 24, a slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. He wants somebody else to feed him. Now, maybe that looks cool in those old Roman movies when they wave the fan and, you know, somebody's dropping the grapes in there. That's not real life, folks. That's not real life. They're, they don't finish what they start. And lastly, turn to Proverbs 22. Look at verse 13. The slothful man saith, there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. I already talked about excuse making, but let's put it this way. They don't face reality. What I mean by that is, like this guy said, you know what? There's a lion outside. It's dangerous to go outside. I'm not going to go outside. But the lion may be nowhere around where they are. It's just an excuse. But they've told the excuse so long that they become believers in their excuse. You know, parents, schoolwork, chores around the house, it is so important. You know, you're not rearing your kids just to make your life easy. Someday they're gonna go get a job. You want your, their boss to come to you one day and say, you know what, you taught your child how to work, thank you. One day they're going to get married. You want their future spouse to say, thank you for training a child that knows how to work. When my wife teaches the college girls about marriage, one of the top three things is not, is he tall, dark, and handsome? I would have never gotten chosen. Does he work? Does he work? Does he know how to work? Does he know how to get dirty? Does he know how to do a job? Does he know how to finish a job? You're going to depend on him. Can you trust him? 
so as a result, this person, they just make excuses. Their life gets harder and harder. The Bible says, Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the slothful man is as an hedge of thorns, but the way of the righteous is made plain. In other words, God opens up the, the way for those who are tenacious and hard workers, and God allows those that are lazy. To, it's just a constant struggle, trying to get through a hedge of thorns. You, you can imagine that. Proverbs 20, verse 4, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg in harvest and have nothing? You know, the point is, God teaches us that in our spiritual work, in our family life, in our vocation, we are to be diligent. We are, to, we are not to make excuses. We are to be, uh, have initiative, be self-starters and finish the job for the glory of God. It sounds like a, a work training program, but it's all Bible. Isn't it wonderful how the Bible deals with everything? Let's, let's ask God to help us, especially in our walk with God, to be diligent, have initiative, and to keep seeking Christ each and every day.